Section 4 of What She Said and What She Meant and People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 Fruitage In order that you may understand the source of Mrs. Frank Truman's courage and the extent of her indignation, I shall have to ask you to go back to a morning preceding the society and make three calls with her. They were to the houses of trouble. Yet trouble in more different forms could hardly be found. First she sought, on the decent street where she had left her, a favorite sewing girl of hers, Hattie Phillips. She did not find her there, but patience and perseverance, and the mounting of two flights of rickety stairs, brought her at last to the dingy back room where Hattie sat and sewed on that which is known as slop work. But she hummed, and the words that she tenderly lingered over were these. When the woes of life o'ertake me, hopes deceive and fears annoy, never shall the cross forsake me. Lo, it glows with peace and joy bane and blessing pain and pleasure by the cross are sanctified peace is there that knows no measure joys that through all time abide what were attics or rickety stairs or slop work to one who could sing that song with the spirit and with the understanding why hattie mrs truman said i had a great time finding you what are you doing here and making shop shirts i declare for a dime apiece is it what is the meaning of all this Hattie's kind gray eyes looked from their clear depths into her questioner's face as she said, It means an honest living, Mrs. Truman. I am going to earn my bread to the best of my strength. There's many a poor soul who can't get this to do. But I want to understand what it is all about. Why, you see, and there was actually a gleam of mischief in the gray eyes, the shopmen know that i can't very well steal a sleeve out of a shirt so they trust me and by that means i earn my bread and milk for i will have milk you know even if i have to get it in a rusty pail and bring it up these creaking stairs hattie said mrs truman almost in indignation how can you be so bright and funny over such an abominable state of things as this dear mrs truman why not as well laugh as cry though i won't deny that i have had my turn at crying but i knew it would come out all right not a sparrow falls you know without our father and i knew that my good name was of more value to him than many sparrows beside it really has its funny side think of my stealing breaths of silk from mrs marks and the others what would i do with them why don't they think of that and this strange girl actually laughed 
not but i am glad enough that you have come home she said when her laugh was over and i haven't been as mild over it as i might some of the time but it will end right somehow i do wonder really what it is intended to do for me something of course what can it be i suppose i have said a hundred times in the last two weeks all things work together for good and i have wished that i could just have a minute's peep behind the scenes and see this queer story in all its snarls and twists working together for my good wonderful that it is so isn't it then she broke down again and her gray eyes filled full of tears and she dropped her head suddenly on the shoulder of the woman who had been a lifelong friend to her and murmured i felt sure you would come this morning i begged of him to send you from there mrs truman went to her old friend mrs decker what a house that was to visit crape streaming from the doorknob hush in the hall servants tiptoeing in that strange quiet way in which they and others instinctively move in the presence of death as if they could disturb the dead the front parlor closed and darkened mirrors shrouded easy chairs wheeled back order and solemnity and gloom pervading the very atmosphere and one silent occupant forever folded hands forever pulseless breast reverently mrs truman drew back the white covering and looked on that familiar face on which death had set its solemn seal there was a step behind her and the wife who had walked with him for twenty years came and stood beside him looking with dry eyes and drawn almost fierce face at her blessed dead the worst is she said speaking in a dry hard tone the very worst is that they lie about him they dare to say that he died because he was in secret a drunkard my husband mrs truman think of that mrs truman drew back her head and with flashing indignant eyes asked who says it every one i hear the servants chatter though they do not mean i shall isn't it too hard to bear mrs truman oh no and mrs truman's voice was sweet and tender now oh no dear mrs decker it isn't if it were true it would seem almost too hard to bear but when you and he know what he was and what he is to-day and the dear lord knows and has called him to come up higher why it can be borne and in a sense it is as nothing but i promise you this mrs decker it will be taken back it had its starting point in some silly misstatement or misunderstanding of some sort and that starting point shall be found meantime it hasn't hurt him you know and all his friends know it to be as false as it is foolish passing out of that house she almost ran against dr nellis he held out his hand to his old friend with a wan smile we are passing through deep waters alice he said she held his hand in a warm grasp of hearty sympathy he was like your brother she said tenderly i know how it hurts oh yes i have heard the absurd story i hope you don't allow that to disturb you i shall contradict it of course and yet it is hardly worth while it is too silly to be believed 
but i'm going to find out where all these strange ideas started from just as a matter of personal curiosity if for no other motive she had another call to make it was at the home of that andrews girl what a wan worn well-nigh lifeless face it was and what a rush of strong fresh air and life and hope came into the desolate little room with the entrance of mrs frank truman i'm ashamed of you she said heartily when you get well again and come to live with me i shall scold you hard you may be sure of that then the girl cried she had been proof against reproaches proof even against her mother's frightened tendernesses during the horrors of the night i was so very very wretched she murmured you don't know you can't think what it is to be so deserted and not know what about i didn't know what to do nonsense there were a dozen things to do why didn't you ask mrs streeter in plain english what was the matter and persist until you had reached a starting point then you could have discovered that it started in nothing why didn't you write to me and tell me you had been discharged why didn't you write to your old pastor and ask for a certificate of good character don't you see how many things there were to do instead of which you did the only dreadful thing of your life tried to take it into your own hands and go to meet god before he called you the girl hid her face in her hands and cried harder the sore which she had nursed all winter was being probed roughly it would seem but mrs truman had the doctor's word for it that an outburst of natural feeling would be the best thing for her i lost my senses for a little while she said timidly indeed mrs truman i would never have done that if i had known what i was about but i was wild i dare say in fact i know it my child i don't mean to scold you now i shall save that as i told you until you get well then you are to come and live with me and i wish you would hurry for i am waiting for you i must go now and jenny i want you to think of this god has been very good to you in sparing your life and not letting you in your wildness rush into his presence uncalled to show your gratitude you must do everything that you can to get well and strong and prove to the world by your future living that you are one of his own and remember after this that one who belongs to the lord jesus christ and is actually looking forward to a home with him for all eternity has no right to be utterly cast down or made desperate by anything then this woman bent and left on the pallid forehead a kiss as light and tender as the dropping of a rose-leaf and strength came with it into the very life-blood of the lonely disheartened girl inasmuch as ye did it unto one of the least of these said the lord ye did it unto me it was several days later when mrs truman who meantime had been very busy running to and fro made her way into the sunny south parlor of the parsonage a welcome visitor was she at that home do you need to be told that such a woman had strong granite friendship for her pastor and his family 
into the midst of the eager questionings and answerings that indicated vivid interest in whatever pertained to the lives of each mrs truman suddenly broke in with a question by the way what is the trouble with the petersons the clear light on her pastor's face gloomed and instant sadness and anxiety overspread it if you can answer that question for us he said quickly you will confer another lasting favor we have no more idea than the wind what is the trouble that there is trouble we see plainly enough they have ceased coming to the parsonage they declined our invitation only last week and they have ceased inviting us to their home which was always open to us you know if i should attempt to tell you what infinite pain this has caused us i could hardly succeed sometimes i have even felt that it would necessitate our breaking loose from all these ties here and going out to a new home the friendship between us has been too strong and the break is so mysterious that it cuts deeply mr belden spoke with strong feeling with a visible tremble of lip and a perceptible quiver of voice as for his wife she silently wiped away large tears as they slowly dropped on her hand mrs truman looked from one to the other with a puzzled air in which vexation and amusement blended curiously do you mean to tell me she asked at last that you have let this thing fester and rankle until it is a new sore without ever going to the fountainhead and asking squarely what is the matter the pastor wriggled in his chair and looked embarrassed well yes he said that is about what we have done perhaps the fact is i didn't see my way clear to speaking with mr peterson you see there has been nothing pronounced nothing open i mean the trouble is perceptible only to us mr peterson is too much a gentleman and in fact the entire family is too well-bred to treat us other than courteously in the presence of others and it well the truth is it seemed to me rather a delicate business to go to a man and say look here why don't you invite us to your elegant home to enjoy your elegant hospitalities as heretofore a man has a right to choose his guests and to weary of them for that matter i suppose what an idiotic world it is burst forth mrs truman and you actually believe that this matter is between yourselves pray where do you suppose i heard of it my dear pastor it is all over town and if you don't know mr peterson's grievance it is high time you did i shall not spare your feelings in enlightening you i have to inform you that you have had a horrid quarrel with mr peterson or a perfectly dreadful time or a regular row according to the degree of refinement possessed by the person who talks about it that you were fearfully angry and called dreadful names and all that sort of thing that you accused mr peterson of cheating you out of salary due you and hinted broadly that he had in his earlier days been a forger and oh dear me i don't know what horrid things you didn't say there was a perfectly awful time and you helped mrs belden you come in for your full share i can tell you and grace peterson 
fainted she was so frightened some have it that way and some that she tore your hair and bit your arm or something of that sort it all seems to depend on the dramatic power of the person who is your informant for the time being but i'm sure mr belden after all this you cannot blame the petersons for not inviting you to dinner i will not attempt to describe to you the faces of mr and mrs belden during this rapid recital that was purposely given a serio-comic air by the reciter in truth she could hardly refrain from laughing partly owing to excitement and partly to the ludicrous changes of expression on her pastor's face from bewilderment to dismay and indignation and then back to fogginess did you ever hear the story that was told the little boy with a promise that it should not end until he was weary of it she asked at last after she had almost vainly tried to explain to them the growth of the marvellous gossip it was about a snowball which a boy made once upon a time and it runs in this way then he rolled it over and it grew bigger and he rolled it over and it grew bigger and he rolled it over and it grew bigger and so on and on until tradition says the boy was actually tired though that i don't believe but that's the way with the story it has been rolled over and over and over and grown bigger with every roll until the original has disappeared in space and left this monster however i have the satisfaction of being able to tell you just who rolled it next and next and next and going backward it unwinds beautifully but the original said the minister impatiently who could have started such a story and what could have possibly been the motive why i haven't an enemy in the world so far as i know ah yes you have and it is my duty to inform you that it is lurking in your home at this minute your own luckless tongue mr belden gave the first start to this magnificent ball End of section four.